Thanks for joining us for another Joy Valley podcast. Joy Valley is having conversations with Christian ministries in Kansas City that are focused on trauma and emotional healing. In this podcast, you will discover the many Christian ministries that have partnered with Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for those who are captive in Kansas City. Listen to the great testimony I had with Daniel Delgado from Living Waters. Through our conversation, Daniel shared his testimony of how the Holy Spirit called him out of homosexuality into active ministry with Living Waters. Due to his experience, we were able to get an insider's testimony of Living Waters, both from the perspective of a participant and a coordinator of the ministry. Daniel really left nothing out. Please take the time to listen to this incredible testimony and ministry journey. Here's my conversation with Daniel Delgado of Living Waters. Well, welcome to the Joy Valley Podcast. Today we have with us uh, Daniel Delgado, and Daniel Delgado is a Living Waters leader uh, currently serving with the IHOP Casey. So how did you get started with uh, Living Waters? I, I, how, did, how long has Living Waters existed? What is Living Waters? That's a great question. So Living Waters began in May of 1980. 1980? Correct. It was founded by a man named Andrew Kamiski from Southern California. Cool. And he uh, created a program called Living Waters under the Desert Stream umbrella. So Desert Stream is the ministry and Living Waters was the program that he wrote that uh, helps people to experience healing uh, concerning matters of the heart. So oh, cool. it's usually relational and sexual brokenness that people are addressing um, in the context of Christ being the center. And then there is a teaching, usually a teaching that a correlating chapter for every week. Cool. Living Waters is a 20-week program. And it's it's a wonderful program because it addresses more of the finer issues that people want to address. And it's usually once a week. It's only a once a week commitment, but the commitment's probably about two and a half, three hours long per evening. And there is usually a 30 minute, 20 or 30 minute time slot for worship. Yeah. So it's worshiping Jesus, uh, singing songs of love and adoration to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the second part is uh, the teachings of Jesus. So there's usually, uh, like, again, the relational and the sexual brokenness piece, but all centered around uh, Christ's teachings about those things. Yeah. So just integrating that piece. Um, there is some psychology in it, so some themes of psychology or what have you, but it is not a counseling program. And yeah, people sometimes will often think that that's, that's what it is, but it's not. It's a healing program centered around prayer where people are able to uh, receive prayer concerning some, some things that they really want to bring into the light. And so then after the teaching, what happens is that people um, will respond to an altar ministry time, a large group altar ministry time. Yeah. And there's a vetted team of Living Waters leaders who have already been through the process of Living Waters. They've already gone through the 20-week program. Yeah. And then uh, – and they're committed. 
right? They're leaders that are committed. They're vetted leaders. They're leaders that have sobriety and they, they, they pass the, the checkpoint of uh, leadership requirements that are required for leaders. And then, um, so they're allowed to pray for those that are coming forward to receive large group ministry time. Yeah. And so there's usually like worship during that time, large group ministry time, where there's just some, some light music. And then uh, usually the person who's teaching will, will be praying into certain themes, certain things that the Holy Spirit is highlighting, and the team will go around and agree and speak into those things, praying individually for for the participants that are coming forward to receive prayer. Now, it's important to note that Living Waters always integrates both the 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 male and female aspect of things. Cool. So there always are going to be. Uh, participants that are male and participants that are female. It is not living waters if it doesn't have both. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. And so there's something so beautiful about that complementarity and that piece of having both the masculine and the feminine. Uh, We both house the masculine and the feminine. I think that's what's so beautiful about being human. But we are specifically either male or female. And the Lord wants to come and wants to bring healing and freedom to our lives as gendered beings. I think that that's what's so beautiful about Living Waters. So in 1980, uh, Andy Kamiski, right, started Living Waters in California, right? When you first started Living Waters in California, is all this part of that when he started this? In 1980, Andrew had actually had an encounter with the Lord a few years before he started the ministry. And he had had an encounter with the Lord where the Lord actually uh, encountered him and Andrew surrendered his life to Jesus, committed his life to the Lord. And um, what ended up happening was that the Lord started to highlight to him because he was going to the vineyard. He actually got yeah. saved at the vineyard. And, um, is that in California then? In California. Wow. Yeah. Cause yes. the vineyard was all over yes, the country. Yeah. In California. Yeah. Under Win- Wimber. Oh, John wow. Wimber's, wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, leadership. And Andrew was great friends with him. And, um, it was just, he was very close to Wimber. And he was encouraged, uh, by a leader. A, a well-known leader to consider starting a ministry that would minister to people that were coming out of sexual and relational brokenness. Okay. Uh, during the 1980s, as you know, uh, there was um, the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Was coming forward. Um, it was actually something that that people who were getting HIV and ultimately dying of of AIDS. It was a death sentence. So yeah. Andrew and his uh, wife, Annette, would go and minister to these men that were dying yeah. of AIDS. And, um, and Andy started to 
realized that he needed to create a program and a place, a safe place for men who were struggling uh, to come and and receive healing. But then they realized, you know, that they needed to provide that for the church as a whole. Yeah, and to do that for the whole church to create a space for people to come and receive healing and encounter Jesus to deepen their relationship with the Lord. So, to, so, so in 2000, you said in 1980, they were in California. So I've only known this ministry to be in Kansas city. So at what time did they move to Kansas city? So the, of course, so what ends up happening is that it starts in California and then they uh, create uh, a process where leaders can come and be trained yeah. so that they can coordinate a program and raise up a team of leaders yeah. to uh, to start Living Waters within a local church. It's very important to have Living Waters under the supervision of pastors and leaders so that uh, there is a blessing there and support. You know, uh, Living Waters has to have that support. And so what ends up happening is that uh, cities all over the U.S. start to do Living Waters. And for the last 40, 41 wow. years, wow. Uh, all over the U.S., uh, Living Waters uh, programs exist all over the nation. And they also exist internationally as well. Wow. In Europe, in Asia, in Latin America, I had the privilege of actually overseeing at one time a few years ago the uh, the Latin American reality of Living Waters wow. in Spanish. And so where there were a few coordinators in several countries that spoke Spanish that did uh, the Living Waters program, and it was amazing. Wow, that's it. <laughs> I did not know that Living Waters was so widespread. That's why we're having this conversation. That's so cool. Established, yeah. it was founded on this place where uh, Living Waters would bring life to people because Jesus is in the business of bringing restoration and life to people. So how did you hear about Living Waters and what's some of your story? So in December of 2002, I came to the Lord. I had a powerful encounter wow. on December 1st of 2002. It was a Sunday evening. I was going to church for about four months to um, just really see if the Lord had something for me. And where and was this at? Yes, great question. So originally I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Okay. But we moved to South Texas, yes. McAllen, Texas, all wow. the way at the border. <laughs> at the, the border. We lived about 45 minutes from the border. Oh, cool. Of Mexico. And um, it was amazing. I My mom had a job opportunity there. And yeah. so we moved there when I was 14. And um, I, at 14 years old, uh, embraced the, the gay identity yeah. when I was a teenager at the recommendation of a counselor that said, you know, hey, this is going to help your life if you just embrace this identity and the bullying will subside. It won't be as bad. And maybe, you know, if you just embrace that this is who you are, things will get better for you. Okay. And I found that it didn't. It actually, my life unraveled and it was worse. Yeah. And I was just living my life and just doing 
all kinds of crazy things, you know, because I was embracing this this gay identity. And so I, through my teenage years, I was suicidal. I was depressed. Wow. I uh, didn't want to live at one point. Um, I had a neighbor who just loved on me and, you know, was, was so available to me always. I remember her coming to my house one day that I was suicidal and and she invited me to church. And when I went, they this pastor's wife had this word that they needed to pray for me. And so I I just let her pray. I let I let her like speak that word into my life. And she had all the men come around me wow. and pray for me. And I remember just receiving the love that they have had for me. And they just all loved on me and blessed me. And I just remember my eyes being closed and I started to cry. And then when I opened my eyes, I saw that every man around me, young and old, was weeping with me. Wow. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house, you know, every, everyone was crying. And reminds me of living waters. It was amazing. Yes. Yes. Living waters out of their eyes. (laughs) It's so, so powerful. I mean, I think that that was the start. It was something that imprinted something within me. And it was like, wow, this is the Lord entering into my suffering through other people. Yeah. These people were the hands and feet of Jesus to me to say, we're with you. We don't understand, but we we want you to know him like we know him. He yeah. he can he can help you. He loves you. He loves you. And I wish I could say that that was the moment of, you know, my salvation. I gave my life to the Lord. I did not. I ran yeah. into the darkness. And it wouldn't be until I was 20 years old. On December 1st of 2002, after a few months of seeing if this is what God had for me, that I would enter in to what he had and leave this gay identity behind, you know, leave this life behind. So I answered this altar call and um, just to receive prayer. And Different people prayed for me, but I remember this man, he was a father of one of the um, young adult group, that youth group, it was a youth group and young adult group that I was was attending. And the father prayed for me and he just loved on me. And he said, you know, Daniel, you belong to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you are going to be an ambassador for Jesus. Wow. You are going to be a foot soldier in his army. Wow. He loves you. He loves you. And he kept just saying it. He loves you. He loves you. You belong to him. And it was in that moment that he kept repeating it, and he just kept saying it until I broke down. And it was like something in me broke open and it was like I could I could sense and feel the presence of the Lord so strongly at the very core of my being. It was like being resuscitated wow. after being dead. Wow. And I could breathe and I could see and it was amazing. And I began to weep after I heard him say again and again, 
the Lord loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And then he, he starts to say, the Father loves you. The Father loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And it was in that moment that I wept holy tears at that moment, tears of repentance. And I was so convicted of my sin because I knew that I was so loved. It's interesting how repentance and acceptance kind of go hand in hand. Yes. You know, it's because powerful. it's like it, you can walk into repentance because of his acceptance. Completely. And, you know, it it was a journey up until that point. I knew the Lord had his hand on me and for for years, but I wouldn't answer because I I didn't think that there was any hope for me, but I wanted there to be hope for me. I think that it's important to note, you know, when I was eight, from the ages of uh, 17 to about 20, yeah, till I came to the Lord, I became very enamored by and infatuated with um, dressing up as a woman. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with it, actually. And I started dressing like a woman and living as a woman. And I competed in professional pageantry. And I went all the way to the Miss K Texas pageant and competed in these pageants. And I remember, you know, just even being in the pageant, before even going back to church, being in the pageant, uh, I... I started feeling convicted, you know, that I was there. And I remember this question dropping into my mind as I was sitting at the pageant competing. And it was, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Those were the questions I heard. And I remember just thinking, wow, I'm going nowhere. Yeah, I have nothing to show for my life. And I'm doing all this and spending so much time and energy to live a lie. This yeah. is... Alive. What hope do I have? Yeah. Who is my hope? Because everything that I've tried, I've gone nowhere, and I'm empty. I'm angrier than, than than when I first started this whole thing. I mean, I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know what? What hope do I have?" And so then, on December first of two thousand two, I knew that Jesus was my only hope, and I remember like being on the floor and just before Him, on my knees just crying out to God, thanking Him, submitting to Him, saying, yes, I would I would follow Him, that I just knew that, that when I got up off the floor, I would be different. Yeah. And that He had actually done that exchange with me, and I knew that I wasn't the same, that I was new now, and that I could get up off the floor and walk with Him and be a new man. And it was powerful. And I remember, I remember this. I laugh, but I laugh now. I wasn't laughing then. But I remember this, uh, this phrase dropping into my spirit. And it was, you are not a homosexual. And I remember thinking, what? You know, that was the identity. That was kind of the thing that I believed, right? Up until that point. That was a lie. You know, it was a lie that had become a truth. Yes, it's very true. And so I remember thinking, wow, I'm not a homosexual. He did not create me mm-hmm. to be a homosexual. And when I got up off the floor, I knew that he would help me to walk that out. Wow. I knew that he would give me the grace to partner with him to walk that out. And that I couldn't do it alone. 
And I was so thankful for the church. I was so thankful for people who loved on me that when I started going back to church and asking questions and wanting to know more about the Lord, that I began to experience Him through the love and the compassion and the truth that I experienced uh, in Christ through His members. I think that is so important. So the church was very foundational, and I knew that I needed more. Yeah. I knew that I needed more. And so in 2005, I started to hear. So, so yeah, I was going to ask. Yes. You know, so what, you mean, uh-huh. you were in Texas then. In yes, 2002, you were in Texas, yes. right? And, and then, then, oh, it's very important to, to mention that a three and a half weeks later, or actually, what was it, 20, 27, 28 days later, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the One Thing Conference would always you know, go from the 28th of December all the way till... This was in 2002? January 1st, yes. Okay. And they were having uh, the call, which was with um, Mike Bickle and Lou Engel. Yeah. And thousands of people had come, thousands. Uh, Bartle Hall was full. It was beautiful. I mean, it was just yeah. amazing. And I remember thinking, wow, this is what I was made for. I want to serve the Lord full time. I want to be before uh, the Lord. And I knew that He would He would actually give grace to me to be able to do that. And coming to the one thing that year really confirmed that the Lord would put me, place me on the wall to um to be a full time minister. And that so, and that's the the one thing conference which was at Bartle Hall in Kansas City, which is the large convention center downtown. Downtown in Kansas, Kansas City. So you just came up here in 2002 that that 30 like you said 30 days later you came to the one thing conference yes, right almost 30 days yeah so 30 days after you got saved <laughs> Correct. So God put you on the fast track. <laughs> on the fast track. It was amazing. It's a fast it track. Was amazing. And I remember after going home, after the One Thing Conference, wow. I went home and I walked into my bedroom. I I hadn't cleaned my room out yet. And when I walked in, it was like I could smell the sin that was in my room. Because oh. I I hadn't had time to clean my room. Yeah, out, yeah, know? yeah. It was like going to work. I was going to work during the day. Then I was going to church. And I was coming home, and I was just you know, it it hadn't dawned on me that I needed to do some house cleaning yeah. in my life. You know, starting with my bedroom. And so then I remember looking around, opening up my closet, and just saying out loud to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to get rid of this stuff, I need you to send me a sign. And all of a sudden, I had this wild idea that I was going to go not just throw these things away, but burn them. Wow. All the dresses, all the wigs, everything, and just burn everything. And I just loved it because a few seconds later, or a few minutes later, my friend from church called me, and I'll I'll never forget him. He was one of the, the main guys that was really ministering to me during that time. He said, hey, I felt like I needed to call you. Everything okay? And I said, well, um, I want to go out into somewhere and (laughs) into a field somewhere or find some place where I can burn my things. And he's like, I'll be right over. 
20 <laughs> minutes later, he comes over. That's a friend. <laughs> that is a total friend. 20 <laughs> minutes later, you know, he comes over and we're loading up his 1997 Camaro. And if you've ever seen a Camaro, they're small. Yeah, know? it's small. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, we're loading everything, you know, we're loading everything in his car. And it was like, it was like the unwanted squatter had been exposed. Yeah. It was all these things that had once defined this gay identity that I had given myself to. Yeah. And I was saying, no, I, I don't want this anymore. I'm renouncing this lifestyle. I'm renouncing this identity. And I am choosing to follow Jesus Christ. Wow. Get out of my room. Get out of my life. Get out of my house. Yes. Get out. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it was so amazing. And we went into a field. It was fun because we had actually called the the youth pastor who had a big house and a big backyard and stuff. He said, well, please, please let us come. And he was like, you know, I don't really think I want you to come over at like one o'clock in the morning and like do that right now. <laughs> so we've, we've found somewhere and we burned those things. You're burning in the middle of the night? In the middle of the night. <laughs> And it was so amazing. You can't, I mean, uh, can't make this stuff up, Daniel. You cannot make this stuff up. But what was so amazing was that it was something that I was saying. It was a, it was allegiance. I was breaking my allegiance with the devil. I was breaking my allegiance with the enemy of my soul, who was trying to destroy my with life. that identity. Yes, yeah. he was trying to destroy my life, and. I was so thankful that the Lord had actually laid claim to my life and had pursued me in such a way that I was I was actually saying, Oh, this is my crucible. Yeah. In that I am saying yes to you. And it was like the light was just being like like getting brighter in yeah. me. And it seemed like the future was brighter and I could see it. And I just began to just go deep in the Lord and stay plugged in. And every time the church stores were open, I would go. And it was just amazing. But they didn't have, the church I was at didn't have a healing community yeah. that had kind of like prayer ministries centered around, you know, being able to pray into matters of the heart. The church that I went to was an amazing church. It's still an amazing church. Yeah. I love them so much. And their emphasis was more deliverance, worship and prayer prayer, uh, more corporate prayer, more like intercession, like contending for things, but not like praying into things and traumas and past wounds and different things like that. And so I remember in 2005 hearing from one of my friends who said, you know, Desert Stream moved here to join IHOP KC and they're here. And there's a living waters program that, that goes on here consistently. And so you may want to consider coming here. And so I did. I started making plans. And in 2006, I said, you know what? I want to join the Bible school because I heard they had an, I knew that they, they had had an amazing Bible school. So that's IHOP. Uh Uni Casey, uh, yeah. Casey University. Yes. yes was the university started at that time or was no, it just no. the Bible college? It was called Forerunner School of Ministry at okay, the time. Okay. Now it's called the International House of Prayer University. <laughs> That's and how I, I know it yeah, as now. <laughs> yes. And so I I was like, you know, I want to do it. I wanna I wanna go. And um, and so I packed up my little car, my little Buick with whatever I could fit in there, and I moved 
yeah. here to do the school. And the school was very uh, receptive to me and said, you know, if you want to go to Bible school here, we encourage you to do the Living Waters program and meet with someone from Desert Stream Ministries. So, and talk talk to them, tell them your story and, and you know, go through, they had at the time, they had, you know, uh, not just Living Waters, they had a an introduction to Living Waters, which was an eight-week program called Cross Current. So I did that, and it was amazing. I thought, wow, this is showing me pieces about me that, that I knew were there, but I didn't know how to address them or, or face them in community through these small groups yeah, that, that yeah. were that were going on. And, but I remember meeting with the administrator from desert stream and telling him my story. And I realized that I needed more help that I needed to address some of the, um, the trauma that I had experienced of a mother who was emotionally unstable and was in and out of the hospital. Um, most of my life, yeah. you know, she was, uh, from the age of 10 on dealing with, um, dealing with some mental health issues and different things. So I, I just knew that I needed some attention, but I was afraid to talk about my, my past. I didn't have a dad who was very involved in my life. I had a step, my brother and I had a stepfather who was involved for about eight years, but when I was 11, he was gone, you know? And so we didn't really have a good example of, masculinity and men who who could be strong enough and linger with us enough to help us develop into men. So, you know, going into Living Waters, I realized that I had a need and that the need was was that I, I didn't know how to recognize my need and say that I was hurt or wounded or that I needed help, you know, because... I always thought that if I if I admitted what I was going through, or that I even showed any kind of of weakness or or um, shortcomings, that I would be in trouble. Yeah. And so, what Living Waters facilitated for me was this safe place for me to come and get serious about my life, to address some of the things that I really hated talking about. So at what what time was this? Two thousand eight, you said, or two thousand nine? Yeah, I started two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. So I went through uh, the cross current program, which okay. was the introduction, yeah. right? Eight weeks of kind of more the the core foundational teachings, um, and then I transitioned into Living Waters and just went right into the Living Waters cool program, and I did that, and I remember being uh, at Living Waters and. The most important tool for me during the Living Waters program was the manual. The The manual? manual. Yes. Really? The manual. It was so powerful. Those teachings were so amazing. And I thought, wow, someone understands, (laughs) like, people are going through. And, like, and I knew that it was 
God inspired, you know, that that Andy was able to speak into some of these themes and things. And I mean, I just hugged that book, you know, uh, aside from the Bible, right? I mean, I hugged that <laughs> book and I was like, wow, you know, I love this manual. And so the manual is so great. And then another tool that was very helpful was being in the room and learning to be present in that room and showing up every single week, you know, not missing a week and showing up every single week. So does the manual still exist? Then? It does. So yes. the manual still exists uh, currently. That's 2008. So this is 2022. So that's 14 years later. Still the same manual. I'm sure like some updates have been done to it. Yes. But other than that, so that's so cool. So you're able to do the manual and then you say like just being present uh, in the room really mattered to you. And then also going up to the altar ministry time and responding to the ability to just say, wow, Lord, come into my, wow. come into my heart here, encounter me here. And, and I remember every time I went up to the altar, I never regretted it. Yeah. And those were some of the most powerful times I'll never forget when this woman just came up to me and, and we were doing this teaching called Becoming Responsive to the Father's Heart. Yeah. And it was related to just some of the breakdown with having a foundation of, you know, being responsive, which is usually tied to the, the mother. You yeah. Know? And of course, my relationship with my mom was, you know, we weren't able to adequately bond because of some of the things she was going she through, was going inter through yeah. internally and emotionally. And so I didn't realize that there was such a deprivation. I wasn't in touch with it, that there was this sense of being able to just be me and know that I wasn't in trouble and that I didn't have to be afraid Yes. of being me in the light and before the Lord and before others. And being known here, you know, was so amazing because I always thought that I was the reason why my mom was sick. And I remember going up to the altar and this woman just saying, you're a good gift. And I remember thinking, wow, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> clearly you don't know where I've been, you know? And, uh, and there was so much shame attached to that. But I remember her just speaking into that place and and speaking into that sense of being and telling me, you know, that it was good that I was here yeah. and that I was a gift and that I wasn't in trouble wow. and that it was good that I was a man yeah. and that it was a beautiful thing to be a man yeah. and to be in my body. And I remember there being such a release in me and such a sense of being able to just receive there my life changed and I turned a corner and, and I remember being so empowered from that day on to say, well, it is a good gift to be me yeah, and to be male to choose to work life out well. Yeah. And so, and it was amazing. They would always, you know, the, you know, appropriately, I, they would ask, you know, every participant, put your hand over your stomach and all the women would come and pray and put one hand over your hand and they would pray over the, the stomach. Some people think that's weird, but I thought it was so appropriate. You know, it was like, yeah. wow. And it was really praying into the core of my being. And, and I do that often now. I, I will pray over my stomach and wow. just invite the Holy Spirit to come. And so I've been able to use those tools and those things. The small group was also good because I was able to come with my, uh, needs and my wounds and my sins and really reckon with with myself 
and understand why I did the things that I did. And before the cross, knowing that I could send all of the effects of all that had been done to me and all that I had done, you know, and I think that that was so important, realizing that I wasn't a victim. Yeah. Because I think, you know, so often I lived like a victim and right. that was my posture. Right. Victim. And that really gets into you yes, too. You know, it's just in, the way you, in you there, are. Ingrained. Yeah. And I knew that it fueled this, this gay identity, this, this sense of just always being in trouble and being the victim and realizing that in my neediness, I would rise up and meet my needs. Yeah. However, I saw fit. And I was able to really touch the places that I was being selfish and that I didn't care about anyone else but myself. And the Lord really met me there. And in the safety of this small group with other people that were working through their own process, I realized that I could make difficult and hard decisions to changing and becoming a better man, wow. a better person. And and that he would give me the grace to enter into that, yeah. the power to enter into that. And, you know, which I realized mercy is so wonderful and we need it. It's the unmerited favor of God. And then we need the power, we need the grace to work life out well. And yeah. it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, always, yeah. Like, it's not always something that we want to address. But I think that that, you know, like facing the grace to work life out well and all of its gory and the glory of, of you know, working things out and saying, wow, the Lord is meeting me here, healing me here, restoring me. Yeah. And Living Waters really provided a platform for me to experience greater freedom. Yeah. That's so cool. So you even talked about the altar calls. Uh, going up to the altar calls became like a really good, uh, just every time you went there, you, you never regretted it. And I mean, an altar call or going up front, you know, when you need help or something like that, it's a, it's a position of vulnerability. You're vulnerable, you know, because you're being vulnerable. You're like, yeah, I have that problem or yeah, I need prayer. But But you said you came away from that when you were vulnerable, that he met you there in your in your vulnerability and it was a safe place. and the Lord was able to help walk you through transformation. Correct. And I, I want to say that it's not just confined to the fact that we we do a program or that we show up to a small group. All these things help aid us in our journey. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just confined to, oh, I went up to the altar call and then my life was better and I never had any issues after that. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. no, I think, I think, Several rounds of Living Waters really helped. So did you go through it more than once then? Well, I went through it one time, and then I joined the team. You joined the team? Yes, which I thought was so important. After the first year that I went through, I joined the team, and I was an assistant. Um, wow. You know, I think more of an assistant's assistant, you know? Like, assistant's assistant. <laughs> and I think it was like more like learning how to do this style of prayer um, and still receiving from the Lord and still being able to let the Lord highlight certain things that needed to come up and out. And I had trusted friends, accountability, and people that I was walking with who, who, you know, ask me, you know, how are you, how are you doing concerning matters of, 
of what the Lord is highlighting for you, whatever it may be, whether it was, you know, anxieties about how I felt people sort of perceived me or experienced me. And, you know, sometimes that I would just get so, you know, wrapped up with that and so locked up about it. And, and as I began to work that out, I, I could just take a deep breath and hold my head up high and trust that I could actually walk in the confidence of knowing that I was loved by the Father. And it was so powerful, but I I couldn't do it alone. And I was so thankful that I had this healing community, that I had the International House of Prayer, you know, to to work this out. And um, what a great community. And I'm so thankful for it. So yes, I, I was an assistant for several years, and then I became a leader. And then I decided I wanted to learn how to coordinate. Programs. Oh wow! Yeah. When when did you start? When did you decide you wanted to start coordinating programs? Well, you know, the wonderful thing, and someone I really want to highlight here was uh, Tracy Bickle was okay. such an instrumental part in my my healing journey. She is the coordinator of IHOP KC Living Waters and has cool. been. Uh, this is her thirtieth year, which is wow. amazing. I know it's like wow. It's, she stands steady for sure and um, has been such an advocate for people um, dealing with all manner of brokenness. And I want to highlight too that Living Waters is not just for people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Did it start out as that though, right? Well, I think it was more a place where men could come who needed to talk about some of the things that they had gone through. And yes, they were dealing with same-sex attraction. But as time went on, Living Waters was for the person who really needed a safe place to work out their life, you know, and to say, okay, I do. I have deficits that are coming to the surface. I have things that I want to address. I'm stuck and I want to be free. So it became more of a whole life um, experience. How would you call it? A whole life experience? I Uh, think, you know, defining wholeness, something that I, a definition that I really appreciate that we talk about in Living Waters is how well, you're able to address your brokenness, okay. work out your brokenness. That is the definition of wholeness. How 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 can you work it out? Do you know how do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your roommate? How do you treat your mom and dad? How do you treat your siblings? How do you treat your coworkers? Yeah, you know? um, and it's important what goes on internally. When I close my eyes at night and lay my head down on my pillow, am I confident that when I close my eyes and I'm, I'm, I'm before him, whether I'm laying down or going throughout my day, I know that he's actually working deep within me, and I am connected to him and f- and in fellowship with him. Cool. I think it's important to know those things, and I think that Living Waters has really helped to facilitate that. But Tracy was really. Uh, amazing, great advocate for people in need of restoration. And her example has been so great and she really inspired me. I wanted to be able to have this skill set of being able to minister through the Living Waters program. And so I became uh, a coordinator and, uh, and then started coordinating and doing things, um, 
later on throughout the years. So what does a coordinator do? I mean, what does a coordinator at Living Waters do? So a coordinator who coordinates a program, their responsibility is to uh, construct a team, gather a team, again, under the umbrella of a church that wants right. to do the program. And so you're saying that a coordinator uh, puts together a team uh, w- underneath of the covering or the support of the, the permission and the of of a local church to operate within their within their building even Correct. right yeah yes. Yes. and then they invite do they invite the members then of that church to to participate or do, does 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 the church do that or do you guys just kind of gather people from the neighborhood that's or a great area? question i'm just so, asking yes so usually <laughs> there's an info meeting that's hosted okay. by the coordinator and the team yeah of people that will be involved and they invite uh, people in the church. There's usually an announcement that's given from the front okay, or something in the bulletin that'll say, Hey, come to this info meeting and we'll tell you more about this program and what we do. And then people will hear about it, but it's important sometimes to have kind of a, a pilot program that happens where sometimes you identify some people who may have never gone through living waters before and you do something to kind of establish a vetted team so that you can, offer it to the church. So sometimes if you've never done living waters within a church and you have a coordinator, right? Who's a male and they always say, you know, do it in twos, have a coordinator that's a male and have a coordinator that's a female. And then, you know, find your team, you know, I identify people who want to do a pilot program if there isn't already an established team and then do the program. And, you know, do it. And then when you're ready and you have a team ready, then you offer it to the church. And then you have this info meeting and you invite people to come and people will say, you know what? I want to do that. But there is a process where people have to actually interview to do Living Waters to see if it's a good fit. Because Living Waters isn't for everyone. It really isn't. It is. And yet, it's not. <laughs> so so in the pri- pilot program, as, yes. as you called it, is that where you guys find the, the leaders then? Correct. It's, and so you're doing a pilot program within the church, you know, with a couple maybe invites, you know, out of that, you're able to pick your... Your team. Yeah. You find your team. So the people who have maybe never gone through Living Waters before become, they actually end up on the team. Yes. During the actual... Like yes. once the pilot program, it, what is, is it eight weeks or something like that? No, the pilot program usually. How they, long? How long is the pilot program? Yeah, so usually it's always good to do the twenty weeks, right? Okay, yeah. But the pilot may be uh, a sixteen week. Okay, you know where they, you know they kind of put two in one, you know, one week or something like that. They do two teachings in one week just to make sure that they, they do it in 16 weeks or something like that. But I always say it's always good to do the whole pilot, do the whole 20 weeks, you know, so that you get the experience. Yeah. But I think it's important, uh, to have a team that knows, hey, I entered into this process myself. I walked through the door of my own brokenness and found Jesus in community here. Everyone needs to enter into the waters of healing if they're going to do living waters. So if you're going to do it, you don't do it because you come to help someone else. (laughs) We come... (laughs) 
because we're broken. Yeah, and so we're there's a lot need, of truth to that. Yeah, and re- we're in need of restoration and healing. So you have a large group uh, get together and just go into that. I know we talked a little bit about that at the beginning, but let's just rehash it here because I think we're on a better page now. Uh, so when you when you're coordinating this. One of the, and you go through the pilot or you go through the main event, there is a large group um, part of the, the meeting and there's also a small group part of the meeting. Is correct. that correct? So how does that work? Yeah. So after the teaching, it's a great question. After the teaching, you answer an altar ministry time. Okay. And maybe one or two weeks, there's not an altar ministry time. You just go into the small group. Okay. So that's as a large group, you have yes, a teaching as- and a... Yeah, as a large group, what ends up happening is that after the teacher is done teaching, and uh, the teacher usually has a testimony as well. Someone from the team will give a testimony, a few minutes of like, this is what the Lord did for me. Yeah, yeah. And so then after the teaching, people can answer the altar ministry time where the teacher will say, okay, so if this really resonates with you, you know, Come forward. We want to pray for you. The Lord's highlight. The Lord's highlighting something for you. Come forward, and I usually say, like, you know, even if He's not highlighting anything right now, come forward anyway. You yeah, know? it's yeah. kind of like just answer the call. You know, because you never know. You can be standing up there receiving prayer, and then someone comes and prays something for you. And it's always good to, you know, the leaders are always, you know, asking, you know, did the Lord highlight anything or, you know, and then, you know, how can I pray for you? And the person will usually say, okay, this is highlighted. And then you just get a few minutes of prayer and then they, they go around and, you know, the team members will go around and just intermittently pray for different ones. And so it really helps to um, center the person, really cause the person in the grace of God to just say, okay, Lord, I know that you can heal me here. or I know that you can encounter me here. And even if I don't know it, or I'm like having a hard time, here I am. And then they go into the small group. And yeah. then- So how long does large group last? About 20, 20 minutes? 20 minutes. That's what I thought, yeah. And then the, then the small group is anywhere from 45 to 55 minutes, you know, sometimes an hour, depending on how much time we have, because the night ends at 9.30. Okay. So when does this, when does the group start? The group usually starts at about 8.30 PM. And so it ends at 9.30? 9.30, yeah. Oh, cool. So you yes. guys got about an hour, got maybe an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, yeah. an hour and 15, yeah. I would say hour and 15 is probably more like it. Usually. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, like we come into the group and it's always good to get a reading of like, you know, what resonated with people. Just go around and do a quick check-in. Not very long because we don't have a lot of time. So that's once you get into the small group? Yes. Okay. So once in the small group, you kind of just... Yeah. Just say like, you know, how did this resonate for people? And then you can kind of get a read. Or sometimes you you just go, who needs prayer, you know, and then then go right into it. One thing that we always say is we have ground rules in this small group. And we always say that, you know, what is said in the small group stays in the small group. Yeah. Confidentiality, all the participants sign a confidentiality form. It's important for them to do that. And then um, sometimes they'll, they'll sign like agreements that yes, they'll, go to the 
the counselor and yes, they will stay on their psychiatric medicine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes people are on meds and they have to be on meds. You know, sometimes people in the past have been suicidal and different things. And so, you know, we'll usually have people just really commit, hey, I'm signing this form and I'm saying, you know, I'm going to have checks and balances. I'm going to see someone. I'm going to have people I'm going to uh, talk to and different things. And sometimes it is like that. Sometimes so that's it's the not. accountability. Accountability. Yes. So you provide some accountability yes, for, the, yes. for the people. Yes. So the small group is the accountability structure. It is. I, the program really does serve as a, an, a tool of accountability because, you know, they're showing up every week. They're yeah. doing the homework. Yeah. At least they you know, we hope that they're doing the homework and they're saying yes, that they're going to work this out. And it's a long program. It's an intense program. So it's not for everyone. And it's important for people to decide that they're going to set the time aside and finish, you know, living waters, every teaching um, builds on one another. So if you're missing a lot, it's not the program for, it's not, that's not the, Living Waters is not the place that you want to be at then, because if you're going to be missing, you're going to miss out. And so, and then it disrupts the small group setting. Right, so, because if you have three people one time and five yes, people the next, it's... Yes, yes. And people are, are learning to trust other people, especially when they're sharing deep things and things that they probably have never shared with anyone else before. And so we say in living waters, you're only allowed two times to miss. And if you're going to miss more than that, we'll see you next time. You know, (laughs) we'll see you next year. (laughs) So, okay. So you started out as a coordinator and then how long, so how long have you been coordinating? Uh, Is that the top bar or are you you at a a higher level now as far as, Living waters. I, I just need. To, I'm just trying to. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to get to kind of yeah. like where you're. Yeah. So I mean, I've I've coordinated. I've coordinated only twice okay. at a church where I did okay. my own group. You know, I've always uh, helped Tracy Bickle, and as a team member, yeah. was very helpful to her, and she taught me everything that I knew. Okay. I mean, she really taught me how to coordinate a program because I was alongside her for many years, uh, helping her to prepare every single year. But I didn't officially become a coordinator until 2015. Yeah. And then then when I became a coordinator in 2015, I decided, you know what, I want to work for Desert Stream Ministries and I want to I want to focus only on living waters. And so I decided that I was going to do that. And so I did. Yeah, I became an intern in 2015, and after one year of internship with Andrew Kamiski here in Grandview, Missouri, and yes. the rest of of the of the staff, I uh, I was given the privilege of being hired as a staff member, and it was truly my dream job because Living Waters was just something that I think is so valuable and so important. What a blessing, what a gift to the church that Jesus can come and uh, minister to people through this, through this amazing tool. And so um, it was just such a beautiful thing. And I realized that there's been so much fruitfulness from the ministry that I said, you know, I really want to work for them. And so I worked for them for about five and a half years. Wow. And um, 
of course, the pandemic really. So yeah, I was going to say from 2015 to 2020. I mean, 2020, I decided. uh, And then the ministry knew, too, that there were going to be some changes. um, And several of us transitioned out of Desert Stream Ministries. And I was one of the uh, the staff members that transitioned out. Um, The beautiful thing was that I just went and I served with uh, Tracy. But I still do things with with Andy and... um, and the rest of the staff, you know, there, there's always, you know, opportunities to connect with them. And so, have you always served with? Community. Have you always served with Tracy? Then, yes, I would say that Tracy has been the one that I uh, have served with the most throughout the years. And she's a coordinator. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so right now, so like, so after 2020, you decided to, you officially left Desert Streams, but then started working with. You're still working with Living Waters, though, right? With Tracy Bickle. Okay, so how's that been? So I've transitioned back to the IHOP KC uh, family, and I attend Forerunner Church again. You've been about a year and a half with back with FCF, and and I got to talk to you a little bit about this, and I was absolutely blown away by how many people were attending at FCF. So how many would you say would be an average attendance? Uh, currently at FCF and I, I think it's like on a night uh, what Thursday night or Tuesday night or something yes so um so Tracy Bickle is the coordinator of Living Waters she's also the director of uh, restoration and recovery okay. which is the pastoral support uh team okay right so she's the overseer of that and she's amazing and and Living Waters is one of the many things that Forerunner Church offers. Yeah. And she always says, you know, there's a banqueting table for you to come to and dine from. <laughs> yes, <you know>? yes. <laughs> Living Waters is one of those things that people can dine from. And so Living Waters is a premier group, really, at Forerunner Church because there are about 60 people every year that sign up. That's that's, and so you'll have a group of six? 60 people. And then there will be a waiting list of people. So 60 people actually get accepted. And so that's have, big. That's the big group. That's that's the big group that's going to go through that. The program. That program, yes. Wow. Then you have about 20 uh, team members, right? Yeah. Or 25. And the beautiful thing that Tracy does is that she actually provides a team where there's an actual on-site prayer team that's praying. Oh, yeah. So in every group, you will have a small group leader and an assistant. Okay. And then and then you have your small group participants, which is usually five or six in a group. Yeah. And then it's a closed group, though. People you can't talked just about come- that, yeah in and out whenever they want to, you yeah. know? So once you sign up, once you interview, once you get accepted, you need to do it, you know? Yeah. And then there's usually a small fee, you know, I won't go into the fees or anything like that, but it's something where people are actually committing and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pay a small fee here and I'm going to invest in myself and in my healing. And I'm going to do this for 20 weeks. Uh, Living Waters just 25 weeks, 
Tracy added a few more teachings like uh, family systems, which is not in the manual. Yeah, She uh, wrote a book, which was actually an amazing book uh, called Chaos Beneath the Shade. It's a book about overcoming bitterness. Um, we do a teaching on uh, codependency and what that is. <laughs> I mean, like there's just, there's just a few more teachings in there that are so important for the one who is actually saying, I want greater freedom in my life because of addictive behavior or the way that I interface with other people. So Tracy does 25 weeks. So it's really amazing. So that's once, that's once a year though. Once a year. Yes. They only do it once a year. <laughs> Which is why, you know, Forerunner Church provides more programs, you know, um, and it's, it's amazing. So, um, so who would you suggest would be the right candidate for this type of program? Yes. It, I think it's anyone who says, you know what, I, I, I get stuck in my relationships. I don't really know how to have healthy relationships with other people. Wow. I am reactive to people. I have secrets and I have lies that I don't talk about. Wow. Or, you know, maybe like <laughs> sometimes people don't know how to say, wow, you know, I, I have some secrets and lies. It's like, okay, well, do you have areas in your life then where you edit the truth? Wow, and, that's good. You know, like you edit things, you edit your stories. Yeah, that's a good way to you look at that. Hide. You don't come out into the open. Yeah. And I think that Living Waters is a great place for people to come out into the open, to come out from hiding and say, I want to get real with my life and I want to, to get back on track and stay the course and, and keep my eye on the exceedingly great reward, which is Jesus. I'm going to meet him one day and I want to link arms with people who are stay, saying, I want to stand steady to the end. Listen, he loved us to the end. We can stay steady to the end. And Living Waters is a great community and tool uh, for people to do just that. And so I champion it 100%. If you are interested in doing a Living Waters program, that's what I was going to ask. That's my to next question. <laughs> to desertstream.org. So D E S E R T. S-T-R-E-A-M dot org. A lot of people usually put an S at the end, but there's no, no S. There's no S at the no, end. No, no, no. So, so I'm always like, I always like, you know, make sure that I, I spell it out. And then um, it's also important to note that Desert Stream Ministries is an ecumenical ministry, meaning that they serve um, both the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. So it's, it's a rare ministry. It is. It <laughs> and is. it's a para ministry. It is a diamond yeah. in the rough. Yeah. It truly is. And I I love it so much, you know. So if people wanted to get involved or plugged in, that's what you're saying. Go to desertstream.org. Uh, what I'll make sure to do is put that in the show notes where they can just click on it. It makes it simple for them. Correct. And then, uh, so will all the li will all the groups be listed on desertstream.org that they could potentially be involved with? Yes. When you are at the main page of yeah. the website, yeah. it's pretty easy to navigate. So then on the certain tabs there, if you go under Living Waters, you go under Groups. Yeah. And then under groups, they have every state laid out for you. Wow. And 
under every state, there's a city with a church name, the information, the coordinator, the coordinator's email and phone number. Wow. So that you can connect with them. And uh, so it's important. And I know that we're we're here in Kansas City now during doing this podcast, but people all over the, the nation will probably hear this yeah. podcast and then go to the website and have to do the research of, oh, is it in my city, you know? Um, If it's not in your city and you want to come, another offering that Desert Stream does that's so important and very valuable is they do a Living Waters training, which is a one-week intensive where they do it here in Kansas City, usually during the summer. Go to the website. And I believe this year it's going to be in June. So time is is of the essence here. So if you want to do it, go, go, go to the website and go to uh, Living Waters Training if you want to do the one-week intensive. Uh, all the information will be there. The cost will, you know, of the, of the one-week intensive will be listed on the website. And um, yes, it, it's just a very be- like beautiful offering, in my, in my opinion. So that's like a one-week intensive that De- Desert Stream puts on uh, once a year. Yes, once so a that, year here in the Midwest, and then they also do one in California okay. usually. And all this information will be on the website. Yeah, all of it's on the website. But there's a couple of different three, ways you could, yes. you know, if you didn't have a local church that was putting it on, you could come for a one week intensive. Yes, to either, like you said, Kansas City or California. Is there California. another one week intensive? You know, I think they did one in Pennsylvania. I was going to say, where is where is it on the East Coast? I'm like, where is it? <laughs> is it Atlanta? Where is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so all that information though is usually on the website. Okay, so there's a couple from... different ways you could get involved, and and you don't have to. It, it, you could sign up for the one week intensive. Is there is there a limit to those intensives? How many people could come or could Yeah, I mean it Or do they rent Bartle Hall out? No, they don't <laughs> rent Bar- Bartle Hall out. No. The training usually um is about it all depends. It can be 40 people go. Okay. 60 people go, 70 people go. But yes, you will go through like the main teachings and it is it's quite intense you go from morning till night you know (laughs) get up you have breakfast then you go you do worship you do teaching you do small group in the morning wow then you have lunch then you have another you know um, teaching in the afternoon then you go back into the small group wow then you have a little break and then you have uh dinner and then after dinner then you have another session and then you do like altar ministry time and then everyone goes to bed, you know, and then you get up, you do it all over again. Do it all over so again. It's, it's pretty intense. It's pretty amazing, but it's effective, especially if you don't have a living waters program. So important. Come, come, come to the water and jump into the waters of healing is what I say. If you are in the Kansas City area and you want a group, there are several groups yeah. that are going on throughout the year. So um, I have KC is one of them. You know, you can go to uh, Forerunner uh, Church 
or IHOP Casey's uh, website. Uh, International House of Prayer has a website, and you can go to um, information. There's usually uh, information there for if you are wanting pastoral support and doing any programs that they offer there, not just Living Waters. Um, St. Thomas More, Andrew Kamiski attends that particular church and he does a program there they're right in the 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 middle of their their program right now so he's usually does his group in um late uh late fall it's pretty pretty amazing and then they go until you know march or something like that and so but again all this information on the website yeah and then another church redeemer the one downtown uh, yes Okay, there's yes. two. There's Reformed, like three. Yes. Reformed Church, I think, is yeah. is what it is. Uh, under the direction of Amanda Smith, yes, um, that is another option. And uh, and then Vineyard. Vineyard does... Where is Vineyard at? The Vineyard actually is off of Knoll in like 80-something, I think, or kind of in the Overland Park area. Yeah, Christ Church at one point... Um, uh, was doing it, but I think that they are kind of restructuring some things, doing some things, and then with COVID and all that that happened, Andrew Andrew Lewis is the uh, coordinator of that group at Christ Church Anglican, and uh, he's amazing. Yeah. So I I uh, I encourage people to really look into those things if they're here in the Kansas City. People want to actually go through Desert Stream Ministries and do the programs and do the training, they need to email info at desertstream.org. Awesome. Okay. And they can get information through them if they want to connect with that ministry. If you want to find out more information about what IHOPKC offers and you want to connect with our pastoral support team there and you want to plug in with our church, then uh, you can email pastoral support at ihopkc.org. And then if you want to reach out to me, you can always reach out to me if you need to email me, if you have any questions for me. You can reach me at rdanieldelgado20, so 20, at gmail.com. Well, thanks for including that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. Just, thank you so much for being on uh, the Joy Valley Podcast, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me and bless you for the work that you're doing to get the word out about all the healing opportunities that are out there. Wow, that interview was action-packed. What an incredible testimony of God's calling on Daniel's life. To sign up for Living Waters Ministries near you, go to www.desertstream.org. That is stream without an S. To sign up for Living Waters with IHOPKC, you can go to www.forerunnerchurch.com forward slash Living Waters. Both those links will be provided in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for joining us for another Joy Valley podcast. Please consider partnering with the Joy Valley Mission to discover Christian ministries in Kansas City focused on trauma and emotional healing. If you would like to partner with us, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash Joy Valley. Thank you so much.